Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. At 8.15, I'm so excited. We'll be talking to my favorite journalist from the L.A. Times sports section, the great Eric Sondheimer. And his expertise is in the world of high school sports. And it made me think all week. You know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. Where in my lifetime did the idea of high school and that power of those four years expose itself to greatness. We know Kobe went to Lower Marion High School. And we'll get into that in a second. But what about in the world of art? The world of, the world of art for me, music, was this guy. He became Billy Joel, inspired to become a musician because of a moment in high school, visiting his friend's house who had a TV. He didn't have a TV and watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. He literally looked at the TV and said, oh my God, you can do that? That's what I'm going to do. Listen to Billy Joel talk about seeing the Beatles for the very first time as a high school student. The single biggest moment that I can remember being galvanized into wanting to be a, a musician for life was seeing the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. Now, I didn't have a television when I was growing up, which is funny because my father actually worked for a television company, <laughs> Dumont. I don't know if anybody heard of Dumont. And uh, we, had, we had a little Levitt house, and the Dumont was on the, on the rack, and you pull it out of the wall, and it broke when I was about five. And my mother and my father split up, and nobody fixed the TV, so that was the end of TV. It was just like this big glass thing on the wall. But it was the Beatles for Billy Joel that changed his life. Of course, it was from my era. I was 14 years old when I first heard them. They made a huge impression on me when I was a young guy. And they kind of left the footprint that everybody tried to follow. So, yeah, to me, best band that ever was. I was a Beatles fan from the get-go. Uh, the early stuff uh, I thought was great. Uh, a lot of it was actually uh, rehashed uh, R&B songs like Twist and Shout or Please Mr. Postman. Mm. When the Beatles got into the year, I think it was 1965, uh, they put on an album called Rubber Soul. Things started to get really interesting. These guys were growing uh, and you were hearing them grow. I was 14 when the Beatles came out, 64, in the States. And by the time it was 1965, I was 15 or 16, and they were doing some really interesting stuff. It wasn't all about boys and girls, oh, I want to hold your hand. And Listen to what he talks about, how it, the power shaping his own life through those songs. And she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was getting kind of sexy. There was a song on Rubber Soul called Norwegian Wood. 
I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. And he's with this Scandinavian girl. And they're in front of the fireplace, and she says, it's time for bed. Whoa, you never heard that, you know, on a, on a recording. Wow, they're going to do it. <laughs> really kind of sexy. Uh, so, and she said, it's time for bed. And then it ends up, nothing happened. Yeah. But he looked at the TV and said, that's what I want to do. That impressionable time in your life. And we knew. You could tell. He said, yeah, I know. And I said at that moment, I said, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I want to be like those guys. I want to be like those guys. What about in sports? We know LeBron didn't go to college. He went to Pat Riley University in Miami for four years, but he didn't go to a formal college. We know that Moses Malone came right out of high school. But the name of the high school, I couldn't tell you. For LeBron, Moses Malone, anybody who came directly into sports from high school. But there is one player in my lifetime that I actually know the high school name. And that is Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion High School. We know that because in every interview, Kobe doesn't say just the words high school. It meant so much to him to be from Lower Marion High School. So listen to his interview with Chick Hearn. Well, he might be only 18 years and five months old, but this guy can do everything that the veterans can do and do it better, perhaps. Kobe Bryant, last night you get your first start as a pro. How'd it feel? I felt good. I felt good, you know, going out you know, for the starting lineup. You know, I tried to keep keep a straight face and keep a serious look, but, you know, I couldn't help but cracking a little smile. Do you get a little feel of palpitation? Sure, sure. sure because, I mean, you're so excited to get out there to being in the game, and I haven't done that since, since high school. Right, right. You know, so I, I, I naturally get excited. High school's different than playing for the Lakers, Kobe Bryant. Tell Chick Hearn that. Speaking of high school, how big was the gym you played in at Marion? How many people? Uh, about 500 people. 500? About 500 people. This seat's 26,000. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the last time we were here, you played, I think, about six minutes. I was looking right. at the box score. It didn't get in. It was garbage time when you got in. Now tonight, you'll be in the real time. What's the difference? Well, the difference is you have to make a contribution early on. You know, you have to go in there and... Uh, you no know, produce right away and uh, get the ball into the big fella, get Eddie some looks. And, you know, whereas when I got in there uh, within the garbage time or the bench, you know, I really didn't have to produce. I didn't, didn't have, have all the pressure on me. He tells him in high school he was Shaquille O'Neal. He was the center. You had to produce Sunday, though, at Seattle. That was a tough game, pressure-packed. You were in in the final minutes, and that bank shot you made from about 18 feet was a beautiful shot. Thank you very much. That uh, might have won the game. <laughs> really? Thank you. Thank you. I, I got put in that situation. You know, I was thankful for getting put in that situation. I, that Once I was in there, I had to go in there and respond. Do you like pressure? That's why you averaged 31 in high school, 12 <laughs> rebounds and so forth. Made 50 points a couple of times in a game. <laughs> I guess so. You ran the show. Yeah, well, in high school I had to. Did you have a big center? I was a center. You were the center? I was, I was Shaquille O'Neal, Lower Mary High School. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, blocking shots, pushing the break, you know, passing the ball and so forth. You remind me a lot of magic in many ways. When he gets a chance to flourish, put on a little show for the fans. You do it at the end of a play. Why not? So why not? I mean, it's there. Might as well give the fans something they can enjoy. Right. Absolutely right. Has magic ever counseled you, ever told you anything about the game? 
Um, not really. We really had a, really had the opportunity to talk so far this season, but you know, I'm definitely looking forward to having some conversation with him. Having some conversations with Magic. But let's go back to the beginning for Kobe, the impressionable times. He didn't do it alone. Basketball is a team sport. What I'm about to play is hilarious because Kobe Bryant in high school played with a point guard named Evan Monsky, who looks just like Woody Allen. He is not, you don't look at him and go, wow, he's, a, he's an athlete. He became a journalist 20 years later. And when the Lakers came to play the 76ers one year, Evan Monsky, the point guard from high school, got a microphone and for his radio station went to the workout, desperately hoping Kobe's teammates as a pro would tell him that Kobe still talked about Evan Monsky, the point guard from high school. Listen to Lou Williams, Meta World Peace, Mark Madsen, when he says, does Kobe ever talk about his high school point guard? And they start laughing. Did he ever talk about his old high school point guard? Like when you're just hanging out with him. Great hands, his old high school point guard. Great left-handed bounce passes. Um, Kobe think about one. this one. Yeah, think about this one. Kobe doesn't know his high school players. He does. <laughs> nah, he never mentioned Think hard here, Lou. Think hard. You never I don't think. really have to think that hard. You're dodging the question, bad dog. Has he ever sat, like, sat down to your next on the bus and said, my old high school point guard used to drive and dish and give it to me? He's never said, like, Nick, when you're on the break, my old high school point guard used to do this. So you must be in his old high school point guard. Maybe. Swaggy P figured it out, and now Mark Matson figured it out. You must be his old point guard. You you must be the old high school point Look, guard. You're Stanford guy. <laughs> you're a smart guy. So he never mentioned, never just sitting on the bus with oh, talking about this dude. Nah, it's weird. So you're the guy that put Kobe in the league. That's what my mother okay, says. Okay, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Yeah. We may have a summer league roster spot for you That's next not year. not good. I got a bad back. <laughs> you on the bigger and better things. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> no, it's true. Trust me, man. I am two cats. That's all I do. So now after the game, there's a press conference. Kobe Bryant addresses the media. Well, there's Evan Monsky with a lower Marion High School sweatshirt that's 20 years old, sitting in the front row with a microphone, and he can't wait to ask Kobe, who is your favorite point guard of all time? This is what Kobe Bryant says. Kobe, you've played with a lot of great point guards. Derek Fisher, Brian Shaw, me. Yeah. Who, who would you say is the best point guard you've well, played with? The best passer was, was without a shadow of a doubt, Evan Monsky. No, no question. I agree. My, no my mother would agree. Nash is a close second. Right. Uh, but Monsky, even when you had a cast, remember you playing with the cast on still making crazy Nova passes and stuff. So, you know, it's, yeah. It's a correct answer. It's correct. Yeah. That is the sweetness of Kobe Bryant, the legend. He's five-time champion in this interview already. And he knows this Woody Allen-looking guy, Evan Monsky, that's his claim to fame in his mind. That's, that's his moment that he was the point guard. Kobe doesn't just acknowledge, yep, you were the guy, and kibitz with him. But he takes him to the next level and says, remember when you had a cast? You broke your arm, you still played. You still could do those no-look passes to me. I don't think Evan Monsky even realized Kobe would go that deep to compliment him in front of everybody. My mother used to say, Robbie, the words don't cost you anything. It doesn't cost Kobe Bryant anything to say something nice like that, to have that memory shared in front of everybody. 
he did a beautiful thing that day by acknowledging this guy. Here's more. Man, thank How you, you doing, man? Nice. I'm doing great. So I got a camera over here. Can you believe that? It's not just me, man. Nice. Right, I give all, a camera to anybody, huh? That's the truth. First of all, I had no idea you could do brown suit, black tie. I didn't either. Who put I, that I guess, together? I guess I kind of pulled it off. Maybe. I think oh, you no. did. Yeah? Yeah, I think you well, did. I scrub up well. Pretty good, man. So, Cove, we're old. Yes. You're talking about how old you are. Yes. You feel it. Yes. I feel it, too. It's crazy. It's horrible. What the hell? Where did time go? I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> I remember it was like yesterday. I was catching no-look passes from you. I know. I know. And, and Dude, I, this guy could play. Thank Seriously. you. Yeah, tell the camera that Seriously, again. They, people play. don't play. may not look like him, but he can really play. Seriously. The sweetness of Kobe Bryant acknowledging this guy and then Evan Monsky in his own way of kibitzing saying, yeah, I met a bunch of people today, met a world peace. What a great day. And that guy who plays for the Lakers. Hilarious. For 20 years, dude, people have been so annoying. Like, yo, you played with Kobe. What do you, what do you recognize you? Does he really know you? Yeah. I mean, come on. People don't know. Dude, when they told me, they said, they have a team, you have a teammate, has a camera, a microphone, wanted to talk that's to you. That's true. Great sense of humor. I said, it's Evan Monsky. Dude, there's people out there. You got Stephen A. out here, David yeah. Aldridge, and look who you're talking to. Dude, it's the Monsky. Dude. I appreciate I it. They understand the seriousness of the situation They don't. Right they don't. <laughs> I appreciate it, Kobe. Man, yo, hey, we're real proud of you, man. Thank you. Real proud of you. Good to see Take you. Take it easy. Oh, man. What? What a day. What a day. I met Meta World Peace. That was incredible. Saw some old dudes from high school. Saw the dude who plays for the Lakers. High school to Kobe Bryant, sitting down with Chick Hearn and reminding him it's Lower Marion High School. Yeah, the gym was only 500 people, and now I'm in the forum. But it was also the other people in high school who got to be near Kobe Bryant that shaped their lives. Or you could be Billy Joel just watching in your neighbor's TV because you didn't have a TV. But during those years in high school, it shapes who you are. Billy Joel literally got up and pointed at the TV and said, The Beatles on Ed Sullivan? Oh, my God. That's what I'm going to do. There's a power in those formative years where you figure out who you are. Coming up next, we're going to talk to an expert about those years of high school. My favorite, L.A. Times journalist, the great Eric Sondheimer. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clap. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Eric, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. My pleasure. I appreciate it. You picked out a great subject, in my opinion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got to play this soundbite, Eric, and I want to hear what you think 
is really going on when Evan Monsky, the Schmagegi point guard for the Lower Marion High School, but his claim to fame, and he so desperately wants Kobe to say, yep, you are my greatest point guard, and then says, remember, you even had a cast on and you still played. Listen to this, Eric. You've played with a lot of great point guards. Derek Fisher, Brian Shaw, me. Yeah. Who, who would you say is the best point guard you've well, played I mean, with? Well, the, the best passer was, was <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt, Evan Monsky. No question. I agree. My, no my mother would agree. Nash is a close second. Right. Uh, but Monsky, even when you had a cast, maybe you're playing with the cast, don't still making crazy Nolan passes sure. and stuff. So, you know, it's... Yeah. It's the correct answer. It's correct. Yeah. Eric... The power of high school. Kobe's one thing, but in Evan Monsky. And that's what I get that you touch on with these beautiful stories you write about behind the scenes of these high school athletes. Well, I appreciate that. It's very true. I mean, even myself, uh, back in high school, Poly High in Sun Valley, we lost a playoff game, and I still remember what a coach told me afterwards. I was ready to cry, and he said, the sun will come up tomorrow. I don't remember anything else, but that, that, that helped me move on. And we all have those stories of, of a coach or somebody, a teammate, saying something that we remember for years and years. It is a, a great time. So teach us, Eric, who are you? How did, how did you pick this to do with your life? What did your dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? Tell us about the journey to become such a world-class journalist. Uh, the journey is uh, because I had a brother three years older who got into uh, journalism, and I started writing from my junior high school newspaper when I was cut from the uh, junior high basketball team. I, I learned that I had more influence as a writer than as a player uh, because everybody wanted to see their name in the paper. And so uh, I've been writing ever since junior high, uh, high school, went to Cal State Northridge, graduated, joined the Daily News covering high school sports. I was a stringer immediately after graduating from high school in 1976 and have been writing about high school sports ever since. And, you know, I've covered other things, the uh, NBA championships, the Little League World Series, Super Bowls, uh, uh, horse racing, great races, but... I've stuck with high schools because uh, the, the names change every year. And in Los Angeles, we have so many great athletes through the years. I mean, my first athlete I covered was John Elway. How did I know that it was going to be a Hall of Famer down the road? So I feel sorry for everybody because I compare them to him, and you wow. never can beat him out. Wow. So it's a high expectation games for me. Wow. And my uh, my father, my father uh, came uh, – he was a boy during World War II. He escaped the Nazis. He uh, he went to China and Shanghai in the, in the Jewish section to, to break wow. out the war. Then he came on a ship here uh, and eventually met my mother. He was into uh, uh, he worked for Lockheed and all like all the baby boomers did in the in the 1950s. You know, started wow. the the defense projects and, and working in theirs. And he's 96, so it's amazing that he's still alive. Holy smokes. You So you you were there when Jim Murray was writing for the Times. 
Uh, I, I remember reading him. I was not exactly at the LA Times with him. I joined them in, in 1970, uh, 1997. I was at the National Sports Daily, the first and only uh, national daily newspapers that started in 1990 until uh, it uh, went under at, after 18 months. But that was a good time. We had so many great writers, and I learned a lot from that. How about Alan Malamud? Yes, yes, uh, great guy. Uh, you know, scoreboard notes and everything. We all learned how to do notes in one paragraph. Uh, and uh, he loved horse racing, loved the Dodgers. Good guy. Eric, teach us a little bit about the craft of writing a sports article. And we'll get into the high school aspect of it in a second. But how about what, in your mind, I mean, a movie, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. You can go back to Shakespeare. It, what What is it in constructing an article about a player that you look to do in, in the articles you write? Well, the, the very first thing is uh, you have to come up with an idea. And, and what I've learned to do is put myself in the mind of the reader, what will be interesting to the reader, not what's interesting to me, but to the reader that will resonate, and not just to the family, but to a large number of families. You you really fail if only the person you're writing about says thank you and others don't. Hmm. That means it didn't connect with a, a lot more people. So you try to find interesting things that are that are going to be like even trends stories are, are really good that affect others. But hmm. you know if it's a profile, you, you you try to interview that person, find something funny, something interesting, and you immediately know it when it when the person's talking and and it makes uh, the leads a lot easier. Because then you can uh, start that lead that will, will lead to something in the middle and then an ending. Hmm. So for me, again, it, it's putting myself in the mind of the reader more than the, what I like to read. How much do the parents play a role? It's almost like me being a pediatrician and in the pediatrics that I did. You know, the child, the baby is one thing, but it's like veterinary medicine. Some of them, they can't talk. you got to deal directly with the parents and kind of figure out the clues what is it about covering high school sports, and do you see the role of the parent? Yes, you definitely do. Um, it, it's good to observe from afar to see, because you learn a lot about some kids by how the parents behave in the stands. The ones that are you know, yelling at the officials, I, I'm not too uh, happy about maybe doing a story on them. Mm -hmm. I, I like to reward people who are, who are following the rules, who are, are overcoming things and doing the best they can, and the coaches really believe in. You know, they have good grades, and they're dedicated. They're good teammates. They're, they're not trying to just get in, get uh, themselves noticed, but they're help, trying to help others, lift up others. And so those are the best stories. But for the most part, parents are very cooperative. Uh, you know, they, they want the best for their kids. They're, and the, the grandparents are even better when you get emails from them. And, and I appreciate parents sending ideas to me because that's how some of my, that's how mm -hmm. I get some of my ideas and uh, from because they know it. Obviously, they have inside dope, mm. and it's it's great to hear from them. Uh, you know, good or bad, I'm, I I never get mad at, at people for sending me criticism because that's the only way you can improve by hearing complaints. As long as they're legit and they don't get personal. No, there's no complaint. You're amazing at what you do, Eric. And I'm not saying it just because you're on the show with me. And that's why I hunted you down. 
you you know I I'm there in the morning reading the paper and 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 I just gravitate to your articles and they just jump off the page. It's really beautiful. Do you have this beautiful like catchment area that you have of Southern California? So many high schools, so many students. Do you have a favorite coach that you admire that you'd like to, us to know about who's kind of under the radar that you just appreciate how they touch that, those kids um, and, and almost act as a surrogate parent for their their players? Okay, this one is an easy one to pick. <laughs> uh, Robert Garrett at Crenshaw is a crazy man, okay? He's been there for since the 1980s, and... The fact that he gets up every day and tries every year to help those kids at Crenshaw High in football is is amazing to me because I've had ups and down uh, fights with the guy. He's chewed me out. He's used profanity. We have off again, on again uh, uh, feelings for each other. Uh, one minute that I hate him, the next minute, okay, I understand what he's trying to do. In, in fact, any LAUSD coach, you have to admire because until this past year, they hadn't gotten a raise since 1999 on their coaching stipends. It was a joke. Wow. And then this year they doubled, and and so now they're going to get $5,000 football coach for working the whole year. Wow. Um, and so their dedication is amazing, and the obstacles they've had to face are, are truly insurmountable for some, but they never give up. They're, they're, most of them are there for the kids. And and they've learned that. But Robert Garrett, I mean, he just he, he talks to the kids about him and they love him. And so um, there's things that I don't like about what he does. But for the most part, I've, I've come to understand why he does it. And he's there for the community. And he and when he retires and leaves Crenshaw, they, they will definitely miss him. Wow. In your 30 year journey, take us through an article where you kind of I'm a surgeon, Eric, so. I got to tell you, every time I open someone up, I know the history, I know the MRI, the X-ray, and I got 33 years of experience. But you better not take it for granted. Every time I open someone someone up to do surgery, there's always the artery's not in the right spot, the nerve is in a different spot. We're all beautifully unique and surprised in a good way, but a bad way also. Have you ever started an article? going out and then interview the kid or the parent or the coach and being totally surprised at what you found? Well, I can tell you one of the toughest articles I did happened during this COVID situation a couple of years ago when a, when a player died uh, uh, wow. after a soccer practice. And it was, uh, it was very disturbing because the parent, one of the parents was very helpful and trying to understand, uh, trying to, to let me understand what that how how much that person did uh, for the for for the family. Obviously, he was in the family was uh, was upset. Obviously, and it's tough to deal with a death, any death. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to write this story to the best of my ability. I tried to resurrect what happened. It was a, a very controversial story, and then when it came out, uh, it's you know. The parents were appreciative of that, mm. okay, but it it led to discussions about how hot it was there, and that's when and and then one of the parents got upset because they felt that they were taken. They felt it was their responsibility mm. to not should have not have let them maybe practice. And mm. so I got chewed out by his sister, the player's 
sister chewed me out, and I felt bad. Uh, and then later on, it turned out this, the coroner report did say that the heat played a role and mm-hmm. didn't want me to write anything else, but I had to keep people uh, informed of what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I felt so bad. The sister said, don't ever talk to us again, ever. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a hard story to write, but I, I felt like I had to keep people informed what happened. It was a tragedy. Totally. And I felt bad for the, the, the dad who, who went out of the way and was very cooperative, and he was caught in between and stuff. So mm. I had to figure out a way to ethically do this correctly about taking the family into consideration. Wow. Eric, can you hang on a second? I just I got a couple of questions to ask you about your favorite story of 30 years. And I also certainly want to ask you a little bit about horse racing. Can you hang on the line? Definitely. Okay. All right, Eric. I love it. All right. We're talking to great Eric Sondheim from the L.A. Times, my favorite sports journalist in L.A. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited talking to the great Eric Sondheimer from the L.A. Times about high school sports, which he's been covering for decades. And I so enjoy reading his articles in the L.A. Times. Eric, over the years, do you have a favorite story about a favorite athlete or favorite coach? I have a favorite story of a of the craziness of, of high school sports. Uh, Shamanad High had a quarterback uh, who was playing football uh, despite his mother's insistence that he not play football. <laughs> so the, he must so be he, Jewish. <laughs> He and his dad agreed that he could play football, but the mom wouldn't. So he had to keep it a secret from the mom. <laughs> and so, so one day he had to throw out his football gear outside the window to keep it secret from his mom. <laughs> she, she found out, and the father was in big trouble. Not the kids, the father. So, and, that, and, and that kid eventually grew up to become a horse racing owner. So there you go. Eyes <laughs> in the horse <laughs> what are you? What do you say, or how do you feel about the change uh, in the just the whole way we handle media, the newspaper business? It's so important to stay the course. Maybe you don't have to have it on a physical paper, but God, do we need people like you, Eric? What's What's your take on the newspaper business and where it's headed? You may be old enough to say, oh, when it's done, I'll be done, I'll retire. But I'm curious what, you know, we have so many listeners on the Weekend Warriors show, some young kid who's listening now who wants to be like the next Eric Sondheimer as a newspaper person. Tell us your thoughts about the future. Well, the future is being versatile and and just adapting to the change. I mean, Ten years ago, we started. Uh, they had vol- they asked for volunteers at the LA Times to learn how to shoot video. I never shot a video in my life, mm. and now I shoot them all the time. So you have to adapt and be ready. And newspapers are doing that right now. Mm. We're, we're engaged. Uh, you know, we we tweet. 
we do social media. We're, we're finding different ways to tell stories. We're we're telling stories that end up becoming TV shows. Mm. So, um, but newspapers in general, I still think they'll they'll be around. But will there be a lot in print? I don't know. The the computer mm. and it's so much easier to write for the internet. You have you can write endlessly. You can write as long as you want. The deadline really doesn't exist for online. So there's a lot of positives in the internet. But obviously, a lot of people like that newspaper in front of them, so I hope it never disappears. But I'm willing to keep adjusting at age 63, and 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 that's kind of the key from my perspective is to keep trying to improve and find new ways to tell stories that will be interesting to the reader. Eric, since you really are such a storyteller, the highest regard I have for someone like you, because whatever you do in life, you really want to be considered an artist, and that's such a great way to spend your life is being an artist and you do there's so many great athletes professional athletes in this town in los angeles uh that get covered by your paper but can you tell us did Shaq come visit a high school did kobe who we're talking about today behind the scenes do you do you recall any superstar like kobe going to visit a high school without telling anybody well kobe was on the verge of of helping girls basketball become so prominent in Southern California because his daughters were into basketball. And, and that's one of the saddest part about his death. He was going to be a, a high school coach helping out everybody. And, and he was, his uh, support was generating unprecedented publicity for girls basketball. And uh, he was making such a huge difference out in Orange County and coming to create events out in the San Fernando Valley. Mm. So, you know, that's going to be, that. that's definitely something that, that who knows what would have happened. But there's lots of high, there's lots of professionals that grew up here that come back to help their high schools. Long Beach has a long tradition of, of players coming back like Mercedes Lewis mm. uh, to help Long Beach Poly out there. If you have a strong athletic program with strong alumni, they're proud of their high schools, and that's how high schools continue to keep going well is the alumni support them. Mm. i got to ask you one last question, uh, Eric, because the topic today is about the power of those four years. You are a high school expert of the highest degree. What is it after all these years that you learned? What would you say is going on during age 14 to 18? What happens to a person's growth physically, mentally, in your mind, and figuring out who they are? How do you see it? Well, it's definitely a time to to experiment and to to learn from different people and to run into people that might make an impact on you in a positive way. I mean, I found my way in high school to, to become a journalist, and so many people want to do well in sports, but at that time, the, the teammate they meet could end up being a lifelong friend that, that impresses so much that they want to follow them around and, and help them down the road. And it's really, to me, it's just an adventure, a journey, and and you get to experiment and, and enjoy things. And, it's, and sometimes they're not the, the right way, and you have to get back up. Mm. And that's why I, I get upset when so many parents decide when things get bad, they just decide to take their kids out and go to another school. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, you learn more from, from something bad that happens than something good sometimes because mm -hmm. you get back up and it's a, it's a really good lesson. And coaches obviously do that 
say that all the time after losses, you know, le- let's learn something and do better the next time. Hmm. So uh, so that's kind of what high school, in, in my opinion, is. And I, before I let you go, what is it that you love so much about horse racing? <laughs> I've been following it since I was a kid, and I, I'm crazy about, the, you know, I remember Bill Shoemaker and Charlie Winningham, and I finally got to own a horse with a, a good friend, Jeff Siegel, who had been in horse racing for many years. And my horse won last week. Amazing. <laughs> so, now, so now I'm really hooked. But let me just tell everybody, you cannot make money in horse racing. It's all about having fun. It will not be about making money. <laughs> some guy named Siegel and some guy named Sondheimer. It's a Jewish horse. What's the name of this horse you have? Yeah. Hail Columbia. Yeah, we're making it. She's definitely Jewish. Three-year-old Philly. <laughs> Eric, I can't thank you enough for making time. Keep doing what you're doing. Please never retire. And the fact that you shine that light on kids in that formative year, it's great to read read about the Warriors and great to read about the professional athletes in, in the paper, but you get to see them when they're a stem cell, when they're in the beginning of their life and careers, and it's just awesome. So thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing. A true pleasure to have you today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and your show is great. And uh, for Southern California, thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Free orthopedic surgery for the rest of your life, Eric Sondheimer. Don't forget that. All right, yeah, God your friend Miller already gets it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right, talking to the great Eric Sondheimer from the L.A. Times. Coming up next, I told you, this week I did an arthroscopy on a meniscus in a woman who was 75 years old. Why would I do that? I'll explain. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Pooba, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Everybody's talking about the new sound, funny, but it's still rocking old to me. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So fantastic to talk about high school with Eric Sondheimer and to listen to Billy Joel. Will playing Billy Joel's songs for a reason. Because it wasn't until he was in high school that he realized, like all of us, who are you? What touches you? For Billy Joel, it was the Beatles. It was a moment. February 1964 on the Ed Sullivan Show. The single biggest moment that I can remember being galvanized into wanting to be a, a musician for life was seeing the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. Now I didn't have a television when I was growing up, which is funny because my father actually worked for a television company, <laughs> Dumont. I don't know if anybody heard of Dumont. And uh, we, had, we had a little Levitt house and the Dumont was on the, on the rack and you pull it out of the wall and it broke when I was about five. And my mother and my father split up, and nobody fixed the TV. So that was the end of TV. It was just like this big glass thing on the wall. It blew him away to see these guys on TV. 
He looked at the TV and said, "That's what." And I we knew. You could tell. He said, "Yeah, I know." I know. I know. And I said at that moment, I said, "That's what I want to do. I want to. I, I want to do that. That's what I want to. I want to be like those guys." It's powerful, powerful times, and certainly in the case of Kobe Bryant. Here in Evan Monsky, his point guard at Lower Marion High School. It's just awesome. It's so important. And COVID has really given a gut punch to high school kids having to do everything online and virtual. Hope to God it'll be over soon. You can get back to interacting. Let's do some clap revision. Today, my favorite football player is playing, Joe Burrow the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. His story they should make a movie out of. The hell yeah. What he ended up doing. But his problem is on the other team, and his name is Derrick Henry. Clapper. October 31st, Derrick Henry broke his foot. Well, we, He broke his fifth metatarsal. That's called a Jones fracture, which is named after Sir Robert Jones, who was an orthopedic surgeon in the 1800s, before they even had an x-ray, got drunk when dancing one night and says, my foot hurts, and wrote it up and diagnosed exactly what happened. If you now feel your ankle, feel the outside of your ankle, take those fingers of yours and now get to the pinky toe side of your foot, in the mid portion of your foot, is the base of the fifth metatarsal. There's a tendon that attaches there, the peroneus brevis. And as you move your foot and ankle around, that tendon is pulling on its anchoring site in the bone. And one of the big problems with that fracture is that when the bone breaks there, so here's a clapper vision. You hear me do this all the time. That fifth metatarsal is like a yellow pencil. The shaft of the bone, the yellow part of the pencil, is the diaphysis. The eraser is the epiphysis. And that metal attachment of the eraser to the pencil is the metaphysis. A Jones fracture is a snap in the bone where that metal touches the yellow part of the yellow pencil. And the bone separates. And it keeps separating because the peroneus brevis tendon attaches to the eraser. And every time you move your foot, it pulls on it and pulls on it. That's why we put you in a big boot, not just a little shoe, but a big boot, because you have to shut down those calf muscle-type muscles, the peroneus muscles, not the gastroc and the soleus, but the muscles that go way up your tibia and fibula. you got to shut them down with a big boot, because that peroneus brevis tendon keeps pulling on that bone fragment and pulling the fracture apart. What we know in orthopedics is very simple. In order for a bone that's broken to heal, the two pieces must kiss each other. Compression. You kiss someone, you put your lips together, together you compress the two lips. Compression. Versus pulling away. That's tension. You do not want the tendon to be pulling the bone away through the fracture site. It'll never heal. Well, Derrick Henry, on October 31st, broke his foot. And the typical way we treat that broken yellow pencil is to put a toothpick down the center of the pencil. We, we fire a big old screw and we tighten it in the center 
of the pencil. But if there is a gap, if the fracture is more of a spiral look rather than a snap in half, and there is a gap between the two ends of the bone, it ain't going to work. Putting a toothpick down the straw to shish kebab the bone is not going to work. The screw is not going to work. So Derek Henry, his surgeon, put a plate and screws. Why would he, why do we use a plate and screw for your forearm, for example, if you fracture it, versus putting a rod down your femur, your tibia, or a rod, a screw down the center of the fifth metatarsal? The answer if there's an issue with rotation spinning out of the bone, you need to lock it from spinning. And the only way to do that is not with putting the toothpick down the center of the straw, but you literally put, need to put on the outside of the bone a plate which has holes in it so you can put screws through the plate. And that's what Derrick Henry had. Well, it went on to heal probably in about six weeks. So to get back into shape, NFL shape, not just you and me going to a desk, but actually be a running back in the NFL, that's what the extra time has been for. Derrick Henry is cleared. He's cleared to play with no restrictions. There is, I just read in between the breaks here, there's no time limit. There's no snap count. It says he's as good as new. And you've heard me say it many times on this show if you listen. Once a fracture heals, the extra bone, the callus, makes the bone stronger than it ever was before. So Derrick Henry has a stronger fifth metatarsal than he had before it broke. And so I'm worried for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals because he is a freight train. You cannot stop Derrick Henry. But in my mind, Joe Burrow is so smart and so clever, and he's on a mission. I'm not a gambler, but if I were to bet, I'm betting on the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm also betting on our beloved L.A. Rams. That's right. We're going to beat Tom Brady. We already beat him once. We're going to beat him again. The maturation of Matthew Stafford with our coach, Sean McVay, it's just gotten prettier and prettier. The chemistry and Cooper Cup. I read a whole article yesterday in between surgeries about Cooper Cup giving all the credit to his wife. She's the one he credits with making him a superstar. So nice for you to be able to credit someone else for your success. That's a secure person. Not someone who's going, me, 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 look at me. But to say, no, my wife deserves the credit for pushing me, for making it happen, for inspiring me. Cooper Cup married his wife while he was in college. She supported him, getting a job working as a cashier in a restaurant so that he can get ready for a pro career in sports. It's a beautiful story, the two of them. How great would it be if the Green Bay Packers do the job for us and beat those annoying San Francisco 49ers so we don't have to deal with them? So I'm rooting 
for the Green Bay Packers to beat the 49ers, even though it would mean that we'd be playing at home if we played the 49ers if they won. What a weekend. What a great day of football we have that awaits us. Today's show was all about high school, the power of high school. And where do I see it in food? Well, in my life, Manhattan Beach is special. You'll see where I sculpt, 10th Street in Highland. Some of the sculptures I've made, some of the ones I'm working on, and the raw blocks of stone that come from Michelangelo's quarry, they're there. They weigh tons. And if you walk further down the street towards the beach, there's a place there that I love to go to. They make an acai bowl. It's about the healthiest thing you can put in your mouth. The fruits, the granola, that berry from the Amazon, the acai that they use, is delicious. And everybody working there is in high school. The energy of these kids coming to work is awesome. Every time I go, there's some new high school kid they hired. High school and food for me is in Manhattan Beach, Paradise Bowls. Go there. <laughs> you won't regret it. And let's talk a little bit about next week. Next week's show is Richard Wolpert, who spent more time than anybody I know with Steve Jobs. He's in the tech world. And what I think about more than anything else, if I could be with someone who spent time with Steve Jobs, is to learn about how to live your life because Steve Jobs he changed all of our lives but he died in his 50s he died young so I'm already thinking about of all the lessons I'm learning from Steve Jobs is how you live your life and people in my lifetime who I know were taken too soon in art and in sports and I already know what I want to talk about in art. He was a singer, songwriter named Warren Zevon. Werewolves of London is his most famous song. But I remember seeing Warren Zevon being interviewed on David Letterman because he was told you have mesothelioma, this deadly lung cancer. He feels fine, goes to the doctor. Eh, you have meso you're going to be dead in three months. What? And you hear David Letterman talking to him, his favorite singer-songwriter. Warren, you're going to die in three months? Yep. It's just amazing. And David Letterman, as only he could, asks him, Warren, what, do you do? what, what, what meaning of life? What, what do you do now? How to live your life from Warren Zevon. And in sports... I may talk about Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig's disease is named after the disease that killed him. ALS, it's called. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Also a death sentence. But when you hear his iconic speech as a Yankee, he gives you the answer of how to live your life. Just like Warren Zevon. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. I'm already thinking about it. Until then, I'm going to leave you with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, like we do each and every Saturday. 
And thanks for telling your friends. And thanks for telling your family. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio.